Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be continuing on with our top 100 games of all time, and we're going to be hitting the top half of that 100. We're going to be doing 50 through 41. So we're going to be moving Ooh. into the good games, I the guess. Really, really, really good games. Our favorites. I mean, all of the hundred are our favorites, but we're get, we're hitting top half now, so that's exciting. This week, like I said, we're doing fifty through forty-one. Uh, last year, when we did the top one hundred, it was a combined list. Natasha took both of our lists and kind of combined them. This year, we're doing them separate. There, there's a decent amount of crossover, but it almost is like my lower half is her top half. So a lot of the games that, I already yeah. talked, a lot of the games I talked about, you're going to talk about here pretty quick. But so that's a thing, but. <laughs> Without further ado, let's hop right into it. Natasha, hit us with your number 50. This one I know is not going to be on your list. This is a game by Altplay. It's called Fiction, and it is based on a game called Wordle. It is Wordle. It's exactly the same game, except for somebody is running it for you. So you, it's a it's a all versus one, basically. You're you're trying to guess the word of the 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 librarian, and it's it's spelled lie as in like a liar librarian because they are a liar. They are lying to you about one letter that is in the rules. They have to lie to you about one letter, so you know that every time you guess a word, they lie about it. So they can they could say that it is the letter, even though it's not. They could say that letter is in the word and just not in the right spot. Or they could. They could say that is not the letter, even though it is. So there's always one lie in there. So it's really t- tricky. I'm a big fan of Wordle. I play like all the Wordle games. I really enjoy it. And this is a really nice spin on Wordle and a, a great way to play with other people. And, and it, it it does it well. Like it actually kind of all it all works together. It's fun. It's fun to be the clue giver. It's, it's challenging because you have to lie and like maintain that lie. You know, if once you decide on a lie you have to stick with it and remember it because otherwise it's really obvious that you're lying and then uh, so it's tricky it's hard but it's also really fun to work together and to try to figure out these words and it's tricky like I have lost quite a bit but I have won a few so it's not impossible I really really like this game a lot I'm a big fan of word games just all around um, and and this is a great physical version of of Wordle really it's called fiction Normally, I'm a big fan of word games myself, but the, something about this game just, it's fine. I i would rather play Wordle than I think maybe play this. I, I do think there's an advantage to being the librarian slightly just because of the nature of the game, depending on how many people you have giving input as to what the word is. Yeah, I don't know. You love this game so much, and I, like some of the time when you're talking about it, in my head I think, am I missing something? I feel like I need to play it again because th- just the how much you like it, I wonder if I'm I'm missing I'm missing something with the game. If that makes sense. Are you a huge Wordle fan? Like, do you feel like you played Wordle so much that it's so easy for you, or do you feel mm. like Wordle's still nice and challenging? No, I don't necessarily like. I have my go-to like strategy at this point with Wordle. So I kind of just do my thing, but I also don't do Wordle every day. It's one of those things that like I'll do, but it's not an everyday thing. It's usually when I'm trying to kill some time. Yeah, I love Wordle, but 
and I can continually play it. it. And this is just another way to play it, a different way. So I don't know if it's, mm. it's just because I love it so much, I play it so much. But anyways, that is my number 50 fiction. All right, my number 50, Natasha talked about last week, and we're going to talk about it this week too, and that is Architects of the West Kingdom, the first entry in the West Kingdom series on this list. This is, like she said in, in last week's episode, you have a ton of workers in the beginning. You get all your workers. You don't have to acquire any more, and you're just taking them, putting them out onto spots. The more workers you have on a spot, the more you're going to get out of that particular action spot. What I really like about this game is there's a lot of timing. And it's one of those things where the players have to self-regulate themselves. I, Natasha can go continue going to the mine, getting stone and getting gold. But at some point, I'm going to have to put a stop to it. And that's that's the timing pieces. When do I say, all right, you know what? I'm not collecting anything this go around. I'm stopping her from doing something. <laughs> it's it's gets to a point where you're going to have to get your workers round up because you'll just run out. But... I just I think the timing's cool and I think it's one of those games that if you have a good group it works really well cuz we're all self-regulating each other with how much you're acquiring from the different action spots. It it, it does work her placement in such a unique way and it feels unique when you're playing it it doesn't feel like a worker placement game even though it 100% is worker placement but typically with worker placement games you very much have a planning you, you you plan this out and you do in this game but you're constantly being interrupted by things that kind of pop up that are just really good opportunities and i think that's so unique and it, it makes it so different than a lot of these other worker placement games well there's a lot of interaction that isn't just you took my spot it's i'm rounding up your workers but yeah. at the same time i need you to round up my workers so i'm not rounding up the workers like yes you'll get something but then i'll get my workers back after i break them out of jail so it's it's this nice way of having good player interaction and making forcing you to take everyone's meeple off of a particular spot but it doesn't feel like you're attacking me it feels like you're just you're doing it's you're almost getting a benefit out of the deal too yes mm -hmm. you're taking all my people off the spot and i i can't you know abuse it anymore but i'm gonna get all my people back so now i can do something else there are lots of good to other timing elements to this game too, like spots that kind of open up or things that become available or like the money that piles up is now it's like you don't really need money, but that, that money pile is getting kind of big and you could just go there and steal it. Yep. You know, so there's just, it's, it's a fun and it's speedy, it's quick, it moves at a good pace. I Overall, great game. Solid game for sure. My number 50, Architects of the West Kingdom. All right, my number 49 is Lahav. This is an Uwe Rosenberg game. It is an older one now, and it definitely feels a little bit older based on the, the theme of it, I think, and the artwork and whatnot. It's, you, you're at a port like collecting goods and resources and building buildings and turning your goods into better goods and, and building ships and then putting them on the ships and, and um, shipping them off for victory points. I'm making it sound very thematic. It's not. It's it's very much a worker placement game where you have one worker and you can go to other people's building that they, they, they've built. It's a really, really good classic game with a lot of meat on its bones. It's very, I wouldn't say it's very heavy, but it's definitely heavier. It doesn't feel like punishing and, and difficult, but I did learn it on the app. I, the app is really, really good. I learned it on the app and uh, it was when I was first into board games. And I was really bad at it, and I was constantly like, I didn't know what to do. So I just hit, hint, hint, 
hint and i that's kind of how i learned to play the game because i just keep hint, hitting a hit bu- hint button and they'd give me hints on things to do and yeah it was it was because it was so much to do and i didn't know what were good things and it wasn't i didn't have a lot of experience in gaming at the time but i learned it i played so much of it on my own for so long i, I kind of learned it enough to play it it's one of those games that almost every time you are doing something it it tends to feel positive yeah. You you move over and then you can basically take a spot full of resources. Well, there's 10 fish there. Do I take the 10 fish or do I take the three steel? And they just constantly are accumulating, accumulating, accumulating. So every time you're like grabbing stuff, it feels good because you're taking a big pile of stuff. And it and just I think escalates that's a, throughout the game. Yes, yeah. Yep. And as, as tight of an economy as it is, especially when it comes to feeding your people, it just feels good getting a bunch of stuff, a bunch of resources that you can do stuff with. That's what I really like about it. Yeah, I agree. It it does play better at lower player counts because you get to do more and you end up building like a bigger engine. Like the game has the same exact number of turns regardless of how many players there are. So if there's more players, you each get less turns and the game balances itself out. It's fine. You can play it that way, but it's way more fun. It's a great two player game. It plays great at three as well. So it just doesn't get played as much. Um, it's, and it's long. It takes a couple hours to play. So I do recommend if you're interested in the game and you just don't see people playing it, you don't know if you, if you pick it up, if it'll even get played, I'd pick up the app because it's really, really good. Or at least it was 10 years ago. That's my number 49. Lahav. Hopefully it's still good now. Who knows? I haven't played it in so long. A 10-year-old oh, app? Man. Agricola maybe. is an older app too. And um, it kind of reminds me of that same app. And that one's really, really good as well. And that one I have played recently. I think at this point, as long as it, it does the game well, as far as implementing it, it should be fine. I can't, I mean, it was, I can't imagine it would be bad. It can't have gotten worse over 10 years. Like They had to make updates and make it even better. Yeah, ten years ago. So, yeah, and well, you're not the only thing. You would be, oh, this artwork's dated. Well, you can't change the artwork in the game, that sort of thing. I think it's, I think it's probably be fine. It's fine. It is fine. fine. It's always fine. All right, uh, moving on. My number forty nine is a game by Capstone, and it is Wandering Towers. This is a game that I got at Origins last year. And it kind of just captivated my attention, you know, with its table presence. And so what you're playing is you're playing a bunch of wizards that are trying to get to Raven's Keep. And what you're going to be doing on your turn is you're going to be playing a couple cards. And the cards are going to allow you to either move towers or move wizards. So you can either move your wizards or you can move towers. And what it is is if you move a tower, you're going to grab a stack of towers. Or you can grab somewhere in the middle of the stack and move it that many spaces And it's either going to land on a regular open spot or it's going to land on top of another tower. So over the course of the game, your meeples could end up getting covered by towers. So you end up having to try to remember where your meeples are in relation to this gigantic tower. I think what I really like about this game is it's it's simple enough that my nine-year-old plays it with me and my wife and she beats us. But strategic enough that you're thinking about stuff. There's a couple special powers you can put on the center of the table. So one of the things you have to accomplish is filling potion bottles. And when you fill those potion bottles, you can use those potion bottles to basically take those special actions that are in the center of the table. So there's some things to think about. You can be strategic with your moves. There's been times where my daughter has just simply flipped a card 
done one of the two things on there, flipped another card, done the cup, one of the two things that's on that one, and she is one. You know, granted, those tend to be somewhat lucky and that sort of thing, but sometimes you do have to get lucky in this game because that castle will constantly be rotating around. And yeah, it's just, it's one of those games that I play with my wife and my daughter and, you know, she, she loves covering us up and, you know, there's a lot of back and forth with everything like that. And yeah, it keeps my attention, which is always good with a kid's game. Yeah, this is a great kid's game, although we have played it with adults and it was just as fun and it's kind of like goofy, wild fun, like it's, you know, but it's still fun to play with adults, like which you can't say that about a lot of kid's games. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a good game that will hit a lot of different age groups and it's going to be fun. And yeah, just one of those games that I just, I keep pulling out and I keep playing and I keep enjoying. So my number 49, Wandering Towers. All right. My number 48 is Expeditions. This is the new game by Jamie Stegmaier, you know, Scythe, uh, sequel to Scythe. And I really enjoy it. I don't get to play it a lot. It has not been brought to our game group. Nobody has purchased it so i was thinking about picking it up myself because i would enjoy playing it and nobody has bought it yet and as long as i get people to play it with me i think i think it'll grow on you if you play it a couple more times i really like this game i think it's a lot of fun i am i have a lot of um obviously i like scythe a lot and so this game is just more and it's a little bit condensed it you know you have a couple turns after it ends if you get your stars out you have less stars to get out you've got the card mechanics the way the workers work it's so it plays very differently it feels like a very different game but it does hit those same notes where you're trying to be really efficient with your turns and you know focus on a couple goals you don't want to focus on everything because you don't need to complete everything to win the game you need to be good at a four things and put get four stars out so you can end it quickly that's the whole idea behind it and i really like this game a lot yeah i need to give this another try you should buy it for sure if you bought it and brought it to game night i would play it it just uh, again i don't know if my one play was was soured it kind of feels like it was slightly which is unfortunate but yeah i'd be down to i'd be down to give it another go for sure all right my number 48 expeditions all right my number 48 is Smartphone Inc. Um, And this might be somewhat of a controversial choice because I know Mobile Markets came out and people seem to really like that game. I still prefer this original version. And part of the reason why I prefer the original version is there's a a decent amount of area control and route building that you're going to be having on the main board. In order to sell your cell phones in different markets, you're going to have to create routes to those markets. Everyone's going to start in a specific spot and then you're going to be basically increasing your routes and being able to sell phones in different areas. And sometimes you're going to overlap with other players, which is okay. Then you guys are going to be both trying to sell phones in that same market. I like this one specifically for those reasons. Otherwise it has very similar feels to mobile markets. And the the biggest appeal for those games were those little, little tiles. And what you would do is you would take the tiles and cover them up. And those would be the actions that you can take for that particular route. The biggest complaint I have over a game like Mobile Markets compared to this is Mobile Markets can be punishing if you miscalculate the price of your phone. The price of your phone will will determine turn order. And there's going to be times in that game where you're not going to, if your phone is too expensive, you're not going to be able to sell a single phone that round. Selling phones is victory points. You need to, you need to make money. So there's been times where I've played that game where I feel like the turn order matters slightly too much for my 
for what I want out of that particular game. So something like smartphone gives me the things that I like about that with your, the pads, you're able to do it. It gives me some area control. It gives me that route building that I like. So for me, I prefer the original over mobile markets. I like this game a lot too. And I agree with you about that. I do prefer this one over the other one. It does have area control in it, but I, I like this type of area control because just the way it's done, you still get points for being there. Um, you or you can still sell phones, I guess is really how the area control works. Um, there's it, I, it, it all kind of comes together really well. I like the setup or where you're deciding what actions you're going to get. I like, I, I like a lot of things about this game. It didn't make my list, but it could very well if I had played it more. The problem too is like it's interesting with the theme because I I like the fact that it's unique, it's it's yeah. different than what you're accustomed to. But we have some friends who have been in that space where they've sold cell phones and they had zero interest in playing this game, <laughs> which makes sense, really, honestly. But I really like the theme. I like the modern theme. I think it's unique and different, and I yep. will always play this game because of the theme. Well, in the aesthetic, it has that kind of Apple kind of white background and just yeah just overall i think it's a i think it's a solid game i think i'm in the minority who likes this over mobile markets i just the the problem i had like i said the problem i have with mobile markets is it just it can be punishing if you if you don't price your phone correctly you're there's a good chance you don't sell anything and that can be pretty devastating to a player especially when there's only four or five rounds that you're playing through and one round you don't do anything tough but this i really like this game my number 48 smartphone inc all right my number 47 i had written down next station london but i recently played next station tokyo and i think i like that one even better so next station both of them like either london or tokyo they are different maps but they're essentially the same game where it's a four player game and each round you get one colored pencil of four one of four so there's four rounds so the first round let's say you're pink and you flip over, it's a roll and write. So you flip over these cards and then that tells you where you could go to. So I'm going to, since I'm pink, I'm going to work on the pink route. So you go through this deck of cards until it triggers the end of it. And then when you're done, you pass the pencils to your neighbor. And now I am working on the blue route. You use the same deck of cards. We flip it over until it triggers it. Um, so it's, you're definitely playing, um, you know, each route's going to be different. So like my blue route might be really bad because uh, you know, it ended quickly. So it was really short or I wasn't able to make a lot of routes where their my opponent's pink route might be, you know, same situation because we have the same cards. We're just going in different spots. And then, you know, each round you're going to have a different color. You're going to work on these four different routes. Um, Tokyo and London, they both work the same, but they just have slightly different rules. And the main way to score points is the same, but it varies on like the little additional ways you can get points because the maps are different. And I think that's really cool. I like both of these quite a bit, but I just like the way that Tokyo one plays out a little bit better. Um, but they're really cute. They're in a nice little small box games are easy to play. They're quick. It's kind of fun to, you know, different colored pencils. I have played this game online. I have not played it in real life. Um, and I just kind of clicked and I finally figured out just by clicking what it, like what you're supposed to do. But yeah, I think the game is interesting that you're switching routes as you're as you're progressing through. So whatever you do on the first route you do is going to affect your routes later on, that sort of thing. So I think that's kind of interesting. It's, I hate to say it, it's a roll and write, and I think it's fine. I, it's really good. It's yeah. it's a nice little. It's a really good, nice, quick little game. Sure. Yep. 
Don't what Natasha said. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I've established that if you are a fan of Roland Wright's, I'm not the person to listen to. I think <laughs> I yeah. think of the last hundred episodes I've established that. Like I'm not the guy to listen to. <laughs> it's a simpler game and, and it doesn't it doesn't have the um the combos. There's like no combos in it, so you're really just building a map around. But I, I like it a lot actually. That is my number forty seven next station. Either London or Tokyo, both great games. The only difference is Tokyo's map is different than London's, and you like the map better, correct? Yeah, and the little there's the the main way you score like the most points is the same, but the little variations like in London you cross a river, and Tokyo's got other ways to score additional points. Yeah, there's sectors, right? You want to cross so many sectors with the routes. Correct? Yeah, that part is yep. the same. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, my number forty-seven. Favorite game of all time is a game that used to be in my top 10 and has dropped, and that is The Voyages of Marco Polo. This is the original, original game. I know I talked about Marco Polo 2 at one point, but this is the a game by the, the Italian design groups. It's The economy in this game is extremely tight. The one thing I really like about this game is the special powers. So at the start... There's going to be so many special abilities that are out depending on player count. And you guys are going to be like basically reverse drafting them. Whoever's last gets first pick, that sort of thing. And what's cool about these powers is they all feel incredibly broken. Whenever I have a power and I see somebody else using their power, I'm like, man, your power is just so broken. And I'd be like, yeah, but your power is broken too. Everything that you have with those games, it just feels so good to have this one power that completely supersedes the rules of the game. For example, one of the things that you have to do, if you're, you can go to a spot occupied by another player's dice, but you have to put your dice on top of their dice. And when you do, you have to pay a certain amount of gold to be able to do that. And it's to the lowest value of the dice that you place. Well, there's one guy that you don't have to do that anymore. So you're never worrying about that money. You're never worrying about having to play something on top of that. And that's huge. That feels really good. There's one that you're going to have two uh, meeples who travel around the board. That's also really big because now you can hit up more places and more avenues as as you're doing these different things. There's one particular guy that every time somebody goes to the spot where you collect resources, you get a resource depending on what spot they go to. There's just so many like broken things and it's such a tight economy. It's such a cool puzzle that I just really like it. Yeah, I'm surprised other games haven't like done this more often where they have like that just wild swingy special powers. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense cuz it's like, I don't know, it's just something about it. It feels so good yet at the same time you're always jealous. It's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. Like I I pick the one I want and I'm happy that it's I got it, but I'm also jealous that so and so doesn't have to worry about paying money to put dice on top of things. So yeah. it's just, it's just it's weird that you feel so good, but still, you know. I but I I'm I'm here for it. I I love it. The problem is you'll never play it. So no, no, you guys are way too good at it. I'm out. Like I'm so way behind. I'll play it with other people. You know, if well, not really. I didn't love it that much. <laughs> no, 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 I take that back. I'm not going to play it with anybody. <laughs> you guys are my favorite people to play with. If I don't want to play it with you, it's nobody. That's fair. That's fair. We're pretty awesome people. What can I say? It's. I think it's great. I think it's a solid game. It is an older style game, so I don't know how much you know people are going to want to play it. It. I, Marco Polo two. Dated. 
Yeah, and Marco Polo 2 is easier. It's an easier game, so I think people would gravitate more towards this. This can be really, really punishing if if you find yourself in kind of some predicaments, but I really enjoy it. I love the puzzle of it. I love the, the tight resource economy. My number 47, The Voyages of Marco Polo. My number 46 is The Prodigals Club, a Vladimir Succi game. And this is all about trying to get rid of all your money and getting, you know, getting down to zero across like three different modules, I guess you're playing. So you're playing like three different games that are combined together in one game and you want to get the lowest in each track and your, your score is your highest score and you want the lowest score. So you need to be really equal. Like, and it, and it kind of has got some engine building to it. So you, as you start getting pretty good in one area, you can kind of grow and get really good at it and get that down to zero. Great. But if you don't focus on the other areas of the game, then you're going to lose because you're going to have one that's zero and one that's, you know, higher. So you, you, it's not an average. You just have to get them all down low. And depending on the way you, the modules that you're playing there's a few different ways you can mix and match them there's a few different things that you're doing so like one of them's like getting rid of all your money one of them's ruining your reputation and it's it's the way that they all kind of play out are, are unique and and i like that it's a worker placement game but it's very different the theme is really unique it plays very different each of those mini games are different you know and they play differently it, it's kind of it's puzzly but it's not too complicated it I don't know. All kind of comes together in a really, really good game. I love that you have to focus on all three. That you can't just focus on one and be really good at one. You have to. You have to put your due diligence in to get them all down there. Doing that yeah. is, I think, such a great idea, and it's such a unique concept that you're trying to get rid of everything. And it's hard. And, and it the is, theme, the yeah. theme just shines in this game. Like you have to. Yeah. You can like, you know. I don't know, do really goofy things. Like you sell this, you know, all your assets for like really low values. Like you're just, you're trying to, you know, tell lies about Aunt Gertrude and spread family rumors. And like, they're very specifically each of the cards have you doing something like really silly yeah. and dumb. And it, it's funny to look at the cards and, and whatnot. Well, it, it, at the end of the day, it, it's more, so much more a card game than it is a lot of things. Cause that's what you're going to be activating different things with is those cards. So it's, it's just, yeah. Cool game, cool game, the way they it kind of comes together. And it kind of, I love how it thinks differently about a game. You're not necessarily trying to score the most amount of points. You're trying to have the least score, which is not something you see very often. It's it's like painful. It's hard. It's like, okay, I want to take this card because I can like lose a ton of money if I take this card, but I'm already almost to zero. I don't need that really good card. I yep. really need this other one that's not as good. It's only going to get me reduce my assets down to one or whatever but it's not as good you don't want to take it so it's it's painful in a way and and, yep. and that's what kind of makes it really good that is yep. my number 46 the prodigals club it's all this juggling you're doing between all three that i like yeah i agree mm -hmm. all right my number 46 is revive this is a game by a porta games and it is it is a card game with meeples you're not actually using them as like workers ultimately what you're doing is you're exploring it's a card game with meeples that's, that's a like, really bad description yeah of this game. it's uh because i was trying to think like what how can i can describe this game in a very short period like short sentences because you're taking cards and you're using those cards to take actions yeah. and the actions are going to have a top and bottom and you can you're basically going to slide them in little slots on your board 
to activate either the top side or the bottom side. So you have these cards and you're basically activating these different spots, getting resources. And then you can use those resources to do different actions. Like you can explore the board, you can build buildings, you can place meeples, and you're just basically trying to explore this map in order to score points. You want to, you know, get to the edge of the board so you can get, you know, end game scoring opportunities. There's three tracks on your little central board that I think are cool that as you're climbing, we'll kind of uh, circle around the board a little bit. You're going to unlock specific things, but sometimes to unlock those things, you have to have two tracks at very specific numbers, that sort of thing. This game, the more and more I play it, the more and more I'm liking it. Honestly, if I play it a lot this year, I guarantee you it's going to go higher than 46. It's just there's something about this game that I just really like. The The one caveat I would say I have for it is I don't think I want to play it at four. I think I'd rather play it at three. And the end game timing mechanism is acquiring artifacts. And if you play at a lower player count, you can play with all the artifacts. So the game lasts a little bit longer. And I would rather play that way because my one gripe about this game is normally it has this like escalation that just goes so fast through the end game if you're playing with the exact number of artifacts you need. And I want it to last just a little bit longer. And playing at a lower player count with higher artifacts does that for me. Yeah. My only complaint is you can think it's going to last. Like, okay, you're like, I got another turn for sure. And because there's like three artifacts out there, which there's not very many. There's only like a handful to start. So if you're down to three, like that's a little bit more than half. And you're like, oh, that's going to last. And then all of a sudden, all those artifacts get taken up really quickly, a lot quicker than you anticipated. And you're set for your last turn and you have to refresh. Like you're not doing any actions. You're just refreshing because you've used up all your actions. I really don't like when games do that. When, when you can, you know, this is your last turn in the game and you can't even get, don't even get to do anything. It's just so disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> That's my only complaint. Yeah. It's tough. Cause it just, especially when you have to take an off turn to hibernate, cause hibernate's almost like that reset. If you have to do that, then just, yeah, that last turn, it just doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. I guess you could say, like, maybe I have played so well that I haven't had to hibernate now, but I really, really like this game. But that's my only complaint because you brought in your complaints. Well, I got, I mean, I got to, you know, I got to be honest. I got to share my complaints about things, too. But long story short, I really like this game. And honestly, the more I play it, the higher it could go up. So my number 46, Revive. All right, my number 45 is Lost Ruins of Arnak. So when this game first came out, I was like, yeah, I really like it. And then I started playing it more, and I was not getting any better at it. And you guys were all just really good at it. And I, it just, it's one of those games that you can do things, but it feels so tight. And when you're first learning this game, you're like, how are you guys doing all this stuff? Like, I have no idea. Like, I'm just making a couple actions and then I'm out of turns. Like, I'm out of things. But then as you start to play, so it kind of fell from my list because I just, like, was not clicking for me. But I've been playing it so much because you guys love it so much and we've gotten the expansions and we, and and it's, I'm starting to see those, like, I don't know, I would say hidden ways to get, you know, carry out your turns and get what you need to get and, like, actually be productive. They're not hidden, but they're, they're, you, they're easy to miss so i'm like yep. understanding tomorrow i still don't think i've ever had a win on this game but i am feeling more productive like i'm not struggling my way through this game watching you guys play and doing absolutely nothing i really like the expansion i really like the leaders in it they're really unique they play differently they add a lot to the game um you know every time i play it seems like we're playing with a different um 
temple track, you know, it's very different. There's lots of different ways to play that. Um, and so it's growing on me and I feel like I'm getting better at it. Not good, but still better. Yeah. This game is such a, it's so tight with resources. And if you need like, uh, if you need an arrowhead, you can get it. How? I have no idea. But somewhere on that board, you can do a, a variety of things that will get you that arrowhead that you really need. You just have to find it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, they, they've done such good things with the expansions too, because again, including those leaders. So the very first one is basically special powers. Are you kidding me? Sign me up for that. Then the next one that they came out with was more special powers. And then, you know, unique tracks. There's a cooperative version which normally I'm down with, but this one is meh, it's okay. But like just adding those leaders, changing up the temple track that you're climbing, that sort of thing, I think really just just takes this game to the next level because you're getting those special powers and you're getting to do these different things and it makes you feel good to say, all right, this is the thing that I can do. So they've done a really good job with the expansion content in this game. Yeah, it's good. It's a really good game. That is my number 45, Lost Ruins of Arnak. All right, my number 45 um, is actually one of several Suchi games in this particular top 10. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I wonder how many Suchi games are in this list. Well, We haven't I'll hit tell you any the... of them yet. No, did you hit one of them? Uh, that's a good question. Um, keep in mind, I'm quickly looking, so don't, quote, don't get mad if I miss it, but I don't think so. I think this is my first entry for a Suchi game. And all surprisingly right, enough, there's going to be several on this particular 10. So Apparently, what's this the is where worst, All right. What's the worst Suchi game? This is it, guys. This is the worst one because he loves them all. Wow. Okay. First of all, um, that's not what I said. I just, I'm just saying this is the, this is the entry for, anyway, my number 45 is Underwater Cities. Um, um, yeah. So this is, yeah, this is a uh, worker placement, which is not, you don't actually have workers. You have little, uh, basically like tiles that you're doing to cover up action spots. It's, you know, you're playing cards and the trick of the game is you want to play a card that matches the same color as the action spot you're taking. So you can do the action on the card and you can do the action on the spot. And this game was compared quite a bit to terraforming Mars when it first came out. And I think... I think that's unfortunate because the games feel different enough. I think the biggest thing is just that card play that people wanted to really, you know, compare the two with. But this game, I think, is solid. It does a really good job. You're you're basically, you know, forming an underwater city. You're connecting different hubs to each other. You're putting out desalination plants, you know, kelp uh, mining facilities, and you're creating all this different stuff. Suchi does a really good job of making games that have very tight economies, and this is exactly that. You're always wanting that extra, you know, bit of kelp, that extra credit, the extra steel plast. There's you're always constantly looking for that next or that that one resource that you just need a little bit more of. Yeah, I can I terraforming Mars, nah. I mean you're you are developing like a, a little city and you are, you have some card play. So I, I get the comparison, but definitely very, feels very different. So yeah, I really enjoy this game. I think it's solid. It's apparently the worst Suchi on my list, which seems weird to say. Either way, my number 45, Underwater Cities. All right. My number 44 has already been uh, mentioned by Bob. It was his number 65. This is World Wonders, a newer newer game. 
It'll probably go up if I as I play it more. Uh, it's a tile laying game that's very unique. It feels different. Like you are you're buying these little you know I guess polyominoes more than tile laying. So polyomino tile laying game. You're buying these polyominoes, and then uh, any point at the end of your at any point on your turn, you can purchase a wonder, but it costs all of your money. So you don't want to do that till like you're like down to one money left. Um, but if somebody else can build the wonder. They could grab it before you, so you, you might want to buy it sooner, but you can you know if they can because they all like the wonders have a qualifier on them and it's very easy to tell. So you're like, okay, nobody can get that. I'm good. I got time. Now, which one of these you want? And it's very tight because there's only uh, certain things that are available each round. Uh, it plays really different. The, the it's a little little unique rules that aren't terribly intuitive so i like the first time i played i was like oh i broke the rule i shouldn't have been able to play that that's my only complaint with the game i'm sure um it's it's easy and fine once you're like play it a few times but it is a little tricky to remember that rule because it just doesn't feel intuitive with where you could place the tiles but overall i really like it it's a nice um fairly midweight polyomino style game that works really well i like the theme i like the look it's got great components uh it's it feels nice and puzzly i love puzzly if you can't tell by now i love puzzles and and figuring things out and um i really like this game my number 44 world wonders yeah solid choice the aesthetic of it is just cool with those wonders mm-hmm. that you get um i can't say enough th- good things about that in particular okay my number 44 I think is my first Alexander Fitzer game on oh. here. And that is Sky Mines. So this is a game that uh, re-implements a game called Mombasa, which was a really big game for him. And in this game, you are basically programming actions. So you're going to have uh, some slots that you're going to have this little player board. You're going to have little slots underneath and you're going to be playing cards to those slots. When you flip them over, they're going to allow you to take different actions on the board. Some of the things are going to be buying additional cards. Some of the things are going to be allowing you to basically uh, take influence in four different companies and have them expand onto the moon, harvesting the different materials the moon has to offer, you know, harvesting gas, doing different things like that. There's a research track that you're going to be moving up in order to unlock additional action spots, that sort of thing. What's cool about this game is you're spreading influence onto the moon, but your points at the end of the game is going to be basically how many shares do you have of each of the company. And the more the company has spread on the moon, the more the shares are worth. So in, in some cases, you could do zero uh, spreading of a particular company out onto the moon, and you could score a decent amount of points as long as you have invested in getting shares for that company. I, I really like the re-implementation. I really like the new theme that they did. Mombasa was all right, but unfortunately the theme was a little polarizing. But with this one, I really like it. The one thing that it's changed, the big change between the two is in Mombasa, with the when you programmed your cards in your action slots, they would move up to the top row. And you'd end up with piles on the top row. And what you would do is you would take one of the piles and put them into your hand. So the other piles would continue to grow. In Mombasa, you would have to make that decision at the start of the round. In Sky Mines, you're making that decision at the end of the round. So you have a whole round worth of information to determine where you want to put those cards, which I think is really good. It makes the game slightly less tight, but 
I think it also streamlines the game with decision making. Yeah, I like this game quite a bit. It's got it's really unique in the way that you want to move up these shares. And then you're also putting out things that will give you points for these shares. But they'll also give other people who's moving up these tracks points. And I just really struggle with that whole mechanic. Shares and games and where everybody can buy these shares and you're trying to get the most of the highest. This is a really good game and I totally understand why you like it, but it's just not for me. I, I mean, I don't mind playing it. it. And I definitely like this. You're right. Sky Mines over Mombasa. I do enjoy this game. It's just not my style. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, re- I really enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's Alexander Fitster and I like most of his stuff. So my number 44, yeah. Sky Mines. All right, my number 43, you will absolutely, you. I do know you hate this one. Uh, actively okay. hate it, not just dislike it. This is Turing Machine. Oh, I hate this game so much. This is passion pure, of a thousand fires. Pure logic. You were just trying to get the code. It's a, it's a three-digit code. Numbers are zero, uh, one through five, um, and you have to figure out which of the, what, what the code is that's it with based on all of these identifiers that you basically you pick a code and then you take out this little contraption and you test the code and it tells you if it's correct if it meets the if your code meets the rules of this um identifier or if it's incorrect so like let's say the identifier is the yellow is an odd number and so i choose the yellow number. So you choose a purple. You use three numbers. I'm not sure which one's the yellow one. So my yellow number, it gives me a, a green check. And I look and my yellow number is a odd number. So that means I know that the yellow number is odd. Now, if I had a red X, then I would go, oh, my my yellow number is not right. So that means it's an even number. Um, and there's a lot of the identifiers that have like three or four options. So you have to you know, check it multiple times until you get it right. I really like the game. I, I, it's difficult to play in person. It's better as a solo game. It's much better to just play by yourself than it is against other people. Um, and I like to sit down and play it, but it's a lot of work to get out each of those cards and then set it all up and play it in person. And it just came out on BGA and it's so good on BGA because you don't have to do any of that work. I will probably never play the physical game of it again because I can just play it by myself on BGA. I really, really like it. I've been playing it a ton, like like a ton, a ton. And I, I really like it. It's so good. Pure logic. I don't have to play against anybody else. Just by myself, play it in a couple minutes, done. A couple minutes, done. It's, it's, it, it might go up even higher. I just love it. Yep. Cool. Cool, cool. When we played it, when you taught it, you're like, okay, I'll play it. I'll learn it. And <laughs> I was like, all right, let's keep. What's the next round? I'm like, I, I'm like, I figured it out. And Jeremy's like, Oh, you didn't. And then he's like, Yeah, I, f- I figured it out too. And Bob, you're like, like what? Like you weren't even close. It was so good. I had one number. I had I knew for certain one number. And I'm like, Okay, explain to me, guys, how you figured this out. And they start explaining it to me. And I was like, mm, No, I'm alright. You right. can. It, it's hard to like. You don't get just like one number. Like they don't tell you like usually unless it's like. Is it does it equal like one or equal three or higher than three or lower than three? These very rarely do you just get one number. You get like it is in relation to another number. And once you get all the information, you have to deduce based on okay, this has to be higher than this one. It can't be this. It's just all it's pure deduction and it's 
it's so good. And it's not like any of these other ones where you're deducing by like crossing things off. This is pure deduction. Like you are deducing based on these rules of their relation to the numbers in relation to each other, which is what I really like about it because it's not just like crossing things off until you have nothing left or until you have one number left. It is okay, if it's a two, then this number cannot be a three because that number can't be higher than that number. And so there's all these different rules that you're trying to then deduce. So you have to kind of go through all the different, it's so good. My number 43, Turing Machine. Not for everybody. If you like deduction, you will love it. If you don't like deduction, you're not gonna like this game. All right, my number 43, we're gonna talk about a game that's actually good. And that is my second Suchi game in this particular top 10. And that is... Praga Kaput Regni. So in this game, you are rebuilding. You're building the bridge in Hungary. You're doing a cathedral. You're doing a wall. You're doing all sorts of kinds of stuff. The main mechanic in this game is an action wheel. And the way it works is you can take a specific action, which is going to have basically a couple hexagonal tiles, essentially, in this action wheel. And depending on where that action wheel is, you could get a benefit. Uh, a lot of times there's going to be a specific benefit in the location it is. And as the as the dial continues to turn, because every time you take an action, you're going to turn the dial. If there's one action that people are neglecting, it's going to keep rotating up. And eventually you're going to be able to score points. And the higher and higher it goes up, the more and more points you're going to score. So at some point you might say, you know what? I'm just going to take the five points and I'm going to take this action, even though that's not necessarily the action I want. In classic Suchi fashion, you have so many rounds to accomplish the things you want to accomplish. The economy is extremely tight. There's a lot of things going on in this game that you can do. And you just kind of need to figure out what you want to do. Yeah, this game is really good. I do really like that action wheel. I think it's really interesting and it makes for a lot of really good choices. And a lot of times, like Chris is really good at choosing his his choices. Like he's really good at the style of game. So he chooses yep. ones that work really well for him, but then also benefit Bob, who's next to him in turn order. So he like raises <laughs> these actions up so they're even better. And I'm like, Chris, what are you doing? Like you're just he, he like gave like 20 points by doing that the whole game. I, I didn't really win. Like- I didn't win. To be fair, <laughs> Chris won. Is really good. Um, this is, this is a really good game. It's just really heavy for me. And I've only played it, I think twice. And I think in order for me to enjoy this game, I would have to devote a significant amount of time, like learning it and like really understanding it. Um, I think if I did that, I would, it would grow on me even more. I would like it. It's, it's just too heavy for me to like casually play. There's a decent implementation of it on Yukata that we play. But yeah, I really like this game. Yeah, so I really the, like no, the economy. I'm getting like really good at it, and I'm just falling further and further mm-hmm. behind. No, I disagree. Because even if we'd play it, it's still one of those games that I don't play enough that the economy is so tight. I still don't know what to do in order to score the amount of points that Chris does. I he just has this game figured out, and with something like what I like about his games are the economy is really tight. What I don't like about his games is Chris seems to get them, so it's always difficult to like. You play the game and you're almost like playing for second, but just the way it all kind of comes together with that action wheel. And there's so many things you can do. It's almost overwhelming Mm -hmm. the amount of stuff you can do. And they're almost all interlocked in some way. So you could place a building tile, which will move you up a 
move you along a track for the wall, but in order to score points on the wall, you have to build, you know, a wall around your little action wheel, that sort of thing. It's it's really interesting how they all interplay off of each other. Feels very combo-y in that way. And it, yeah. and it also, like, feels like you need to specialize in a couple of things. Like, if you get a whole bunch of these different items that will score you points on the wall, but you don't build the wall, it's not going to do you any good. Yep. You know, so it's, it's it matters. Like, every turn you do matters, and you need to, like, make sure that your turns are super efficient. Yep, I agree. I like this game quite a bit. My number 43, Braga Kaput Regni. All right, my number 42 was on Bob's list. It was your number 57. That is... A very lovely, very heavy roll and write, Hadrian's Wall. Ooh, Man, I yeah. love this game. It is so good. And it I it, it is even better on BGA because of all the work that um I don't have to do. Like yes. uh, returning resources. I don't have to make, pay attention. I don't have to worry about like did I do everything right? Am I do I have everything I need? Like the, the BGA just does all the work for me and I love it. Yep. Totally would recommend playing it on there to check it out. It's so good. It, it's a very heavy roll and write with one side of the board being a very typical roll and write. You're kind of building things and, and getting, getting things going up these tracks. And then the other game, the other side of the board is just a ton of little mini games. You, can, you can't really play them all, so you got to decide what you want to do. And then the, all really all you're trying to do is go up these four tracks and score points that way. And it's pretty simple in that, that way, the way you score points, but you can go about doing it lots of different ways. I have a lot of fun playing it. I love the combo tastic. Like, click here, get this, get this. You just like constantly like doing things and getting things. It's, it's really a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's solid. It's heavy, but it's solid. Mm-hmm. My number forty two, Hadrian's Wall. All right, my number forty two is the next Suchi game on this particular list. I told you it was uh, <laughs> it was the huh? ten of Suchis. Yep, and that is Woodcraft. Oddly enough, it's it's hilarious because uh, Chris and I recently got together to play Star Wars Rebellion, and I had originally proposed a swap that he give me Woodcraft, I give him Praga Kaput Regni because I like <laughs> Woodcraft. You refused flight. to buy Woodcraft. It, well, stop it. No, it yeah, kinda, but I just happen to like Woodcraft better. Obviously, one space better than Praga Kaput Regni. Plus, Ashley, my wife, really likes Woodcraft better, and. Again, in the Suchi fashion, you're you have a pretty tight economy. There's an interesting action wheel in in this game as well, where you are taking an action, and it's almost a tile, and you're going to take the tile and basically move it into the next spot. And there's going to get to a point where you can't continue to advance taking those actions because the wheel need, itself needs to rotate to another quarter turn. And the way in order to do that is basically go through all the actions. So you're constantly having, you're being forced to take every action in the game at some point. At some point, you're going to be forced to do it because the action. Maybe not you, but somebody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not me in particular. I force other people to do those those crappy actions, and I'll do the good ones. But and and then in this game, yeah, you're you're basically growing trees. You're taking those trees and you're converting them into dice which are resources and you're taking those dice and you're making stuff your little wood elves with acorn hats building jukeboxes for other people i mean how cool is that you can get workers that you know will give you special abilities you can take resources you can glue them together you can saw them into other pieces i think it's just a cool interesting game i think the artwork's fantastic Seeing those it little is fairies the with- cutest. <laughs> he is finally doing some cute games. Like compare yes. this to Underwater Cities, 
Oh, underwater. Maybe that's why they compare underwater cities to Terra from Mars. The artwork's about equivalent. This mm. one, but Woodcraft is adorable. It's got it this is. really cutesy feel to it. Don't be fooled. This is a Suchi game. It is not yeah. cutesy. It is not easy. It is. I think it's a lot easier to wrap my mind around than uh, Praga. Uh, definitely. I, I enjoy this game quite a bit more. There's less things that interlock in this game than in Praga. In Praga, almost everything interlocks with itself, it seems like. But this game is a little, is a little I'm going to say a little bit more open, but mm-hmm. don't, it's not an open game. It's, it's, it's a tight economy. And yeah, like I said, I'm, I really enjoy this game. My number 42, Woodcraft. All right. To end the list for me, I am going with my number 41, Endless Winner, Paleo Americans. This Ooh. is a worker placement deck building game. The deck building game is, it, it, I think it's all like, it's all equal. So there's deck building, there is worker placement, there is like tiling, there is area control, which is a small part of the game, but I like this area control. You tend to, it's, 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 uh, what do you call it? Friendly area control. So if ties it can be friendly, so you're not constantly yep. like trying to one up each other, which I enjoy about this game. Uh, I it's got D'Amico artwork, which I just love playing his games because they're so beautiful. I like the look of it. I I like just about everything in this game. Yeah, it's a solid game. Super solid game. Tight economy too, but it just in a really, really good good way. Yeah, I really especially the theme. The theme's cool. Yeah, I really like this game too. You know, would make this game just a little bit better. Mm. A roll and no, roll stop, module. stop, get out of here. Stop, stop about it. all of the stuff, but not that <laughs> part of this game. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't. There's so many expansions because like it was drawings, right? Cave so paintings, cool. yeah. No, I'm good. All right, it doesn't need it. Natasha doesn't need it. I don't it understand. Need it. You're right. I know uh, that, but there, it would have been cool. It, I guess it, it, yeah. Oh, this so this was a set kick- collection. I forgot that there's set collection in this game too. There's a there's a couple of things with this game for sure. The thing is, this game, I this game is good, and there's a good chance I'm going to talk about it later. Let's just say, but the expansions because it was a Kickstarter. There's a there's a quite a few expansions. One of them I really like, which is perfect for an expansion. It gives you a new set of cards because you have a bunch of like common cards based on these different actions and you can swap those out for new ones so they're going to be slightly different which i really love then there's one that adds like a river to one of the boards blah 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 okay that's fine no big deal and then there's the cave paintings one and i was like nah (sighs) no i just i can't there's no reason get that out of here get that out of here you could have i was still waiting for you i'm still waiting for you to buy it for me from uh, for a present (laughs) (laughs) i should I'll talk to you for your birthday. Uh, yeah, a late, game but... that I want. Yeah, unbelievable. I don't think that would work. No, well, you did it with your son, and uh... well, no, because I bought him a game I thought he would enjoy. I just happened to like it more. <laughs> now you play it on board game, Arena. but not on my many games. <laughs> I just don't buy him games for gifts unless he asks for it. Now I play it on BGI. I get rid of my own. Card. I'll give it to uh, you as a gift. Turing machine, get that. Get out. Wait, of it's here. my son's game. I can't. Yeah, it's not mine. Yeah, that that game <gasps> all right all right last one for me my number 41 natasha i apologize now it is caverna the cave farmers this is an uve rosenberg game this came up after agricola i never have officially played agricola in real life 
uh, I've always played Caverna just because it, it's it's a simpler game. No, it's not. It's not simpler is not the right word. It is less tight. It's less restrictive. It's less punishing. Yes, tight is not. I don't think is the right word because in Agricola, you if you don't do everything, you are screwed. In Caverna, like if you don't do everything, you're gonna lose some points, but you're not as screwed as you are in like Agricola. You're not screwed because you just well, lose a point for not getting a cow. Like you lose a point for not filling that space. Like you need to do everything so that you don't lose a point. But you can make up for it by getting a bunch of points in other areas. So you're not screwed. You're just very limited. Like if you were counting like I really need to bake bread so that I can feed my people, somebody can go to that baked bread spot and you're just SOL. Like there's nothing you can do. You gotta completely change change strategies it's a it's a worker placement with not very many worker spots and like only one of each like there's not yep. a backup worker placement spot yeah it's this game i really like this game the my biggest issue with it is it's a beast to get out and play in the physical copy because there's just so many components to it there's so many things Specifically like tiles, because if you if you play non quote unquote basic version, there's just going to be a ridiculous amount of like room tiles that you can pick, which is both cool, but also very AP inducing because you're con- you have to read them all. You have to figure out which ones you want to do. But overall, you know, you're developing a cave and you're developing farmland, you're farming sheep, you're farming all, all sorts of kinds of stuff. You're getting pumpkins, you're getting wheat. You can use that to feed your people. You're getting you know, a bunch of animals to keep your mining for rubies and your little, you know, cave and, system. And you're a dwarf and you can go you on are, expeditions, which is cool. Which is very D&D-esque. That's all I'm saying. That's very D&D-esque. Is that See, you can be if a dwarf D&D was about getting the most victory points, then it would be better. Wow. You, <laughs> I guess you could say experience points. Are considered victory points, but but they're not. The problem is it's cooperative, and you don't like cooperative. But the problem way. is the storytelling part. Either way, Cavern is a great game. I love it. It's good. I think it's your top one of your top ten games. But for me, it's a forty-one. I think it's good. I think it's solid. I really like it. The only issue is getting it played is tough. It is tough for me. So that's why yeah, it's gone down to forty-one. We don't see it being played very often anymore. No, not really, but I still enjoy it, and I, I wish I could play it more. It's just it doesn't hit the table that often, which is unfortunate. But my number 41 game of all time, as of 2024, is Caverna the Cave Farmers. Well, thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to go through 31 through 40. Ooh, even better. Help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook, and please send us any comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.